Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry here on Radio Row here in Nashville, Tennessee. Now we're pleased to be joined by the SEC Networks and the co-hosts of McElroy and Kublik. Cole Kublik joining us today on Sports Call. Cole, the time is greatly appreciated. How has Nashville been? How's Media Days week been for it's you? It's been good. It's been fun. I feel like Nashville's been a good venue. Uh, it doesn't feel too claustrophobic, kind of like the first year in Atlanta did. Uh, obviously, a lot of people heading over to Broadway, proximity is close, enjoying that. I'm not a big live music guy, so it's kind of not really for me. But um, it's been good. It's been fun. It's been lo- like low-key, no real drama from anybody, but Lane's here today, so you never know. Uh, you, you never know, indeed. And, and look, I know, Cole, that uh, we're, we're moving media days all around now. We were comfortable in Birmingham for a long time, but moving all, all the way around. Do you like it moving around now? Well, no, I live in Homewood, so I would like it to be. I would like it to be at the Galleria, so I can see my wife and kids every night. Um, I don't really like being away from home for four or five days if I don't have to. And I think, I think too, the fans in in Birmingham know how to act. Like they know how to take advantage of it. That when you move it, it's probably going to be hard for people to get used to it and understand it. But you also take it to different places. You make people more aware of it. Like there was a local TV station from Nashville here this morning that probably wouldn't have talked about it if it was in Birmingham. So. You get different coverage in different places from entities that are important. And so that I fully understand why Greg Sankey in the league wants to do it. But if it were me, no, man, keep it at Hoover. I can just drive over there in the morning, drive home, take a nap, drive back over and do stuff in the afternoon, and, and it's easy. Sounds 100% fair to me. Uh, Cole, when we look at Auburn this offseason, hiring Hugh Freeze back in December, and then, of course, trying to build the momentum they are recruiting-wise, we're very active in the transfer portal. What do you think of the offseason Auburn's had? I think Hugh has has leaped over the first couple of hurdles, obstacles, speed bumps, whatever you wanted to call them, with flying colors. Uh, he had to upgrade the roster. He had to upgrade the talent and. He went and got the best quarterback on the team. He got the best center on the team. He got the best tackle on the team, maybe the best two tackles on the team. Uh, He got other offensive linemen that will contribute and help. He got the best nose guard on the team, probably the two best receivers on the team, maybe the two best linebackers on the team, at least one of the best linebackers on the team. Half the starters of of the first 22 will most likely be guys they've gotten out of the portal. Uh, and I think they'll get some legit playmakers. Like, I think Rivaldo Fairweather is going to be able to make plays. I think Jair Shorter is going to be able to make plays. Brian Batty won't start, but he'll be a valuable piece of this football team. You can run some two-back with him. They'll throw it to him out of the backfield. He'll help in the return game. Great locker room guy that they bring in as well. So he, he's, he's changed that part. Now comes the next obstacle. It's, it's organizing, it's instructing, and educating, and then once you play, it will become motivating. So he still has the bigger obstacles ahead, but I think he knows that, and I think that's why he's trying to temper expectations a little bit. We, Everybody pees their pants about the portal, everyone. Like, a kid goes in the portal, oh, God, we want that guy. Well, then you look into it, it's like, he has two starts. Like, why do you want him? Well, it's because he's in the portal. Like, literally, a lot of people just want a guy because he's in the portal. They also got the best edge rusher on the roster out of App State, Jalen McLeod. So, like, they've done an amazing job there. And I think he put a good staff together before that. But it it doesn't mean it's always going to work. That's a lot of new, man. Like, a lot of new. And football players don't always like new. We're creatures of habit. So, getting everyone on the same page, building some continuity, that's going to be tough. That's where leadership has to play in. Some of the guys have to find ways to do it on their own. But he's also had some magic in year ones when you go back to Ole Miss, Arkansas State, Liberty. The expectations should be rising because of what they've done. It's just it shouldn't get too out of whack just yet because it's a whole lot of new in a league that top to bottom is really good. 
I mean, you, you, you guys tell me who you're most confident in in, in the, how the West is going to finish. Because you can flip-flop Alabama LSU. You can make a discussion for A&M. But after that, I can give you about an even discussion for or against Arkansas, Auburn, State, Ole Miss. Like, there's not a ton of difference in all those teams. And it's not super different in the East. Like, I think Kentucky's going to be pretty good. Tennessee's going to be really good. Missouri may be dangerous if they get quarterback figured out. You know, I think Clark is building Vanderbilt the right way. Are they ready to compete every week? No, but who had them winning five last year? We were debating if they'd get to three. So I do think – and South Carolina won eight. Nobody thought that was going to happen. Their quarterback's coming back, and they got the best receiver in the league. So the league is deep, man. It's uh, it's going to be tough to win a lot of games in the SEC this year, even if you're Georgia, LSU, or Alabama. Cole, talk a little bit about the restructuring of the offensive line room that Hugh Freeze has done at Auburn. It's a position that's struggled on the plains for – a couple of years now, six or seven years, it's yeah. been something of a weakness. And it seems like that's the first thing that Hugh Freeze did when he got in there was entirely rebuild that room. No, he knew. I've had the conversation with him. It was offensive line and wide receiver. It, it had to change immediately. And I think Dylan Wade is is a stud. I think Dylan Wade's an SEC tackle right now. Uh, Davion Miller might need a little more time. You know, he's coming from JUCO. He might not be ready to fit in. Gunnar Britton can probably do it. I think he may be better suited at guard. But he's a guy that's going to help no matter what. And then you get a center from ECU that I think I think Avery comes in and starts, and I think is is a guy that can be a good player right now. You got one guard coming back that's a, that's a killer, man, and like he's going to play, he's going to start, and he's going to help. But he had to get depth, he had to get front line starters, he had to get guys that could give them more reps in practice, and he did it. It's not just bringing in a guy or two who's really good. He brought in numbers, which had to happen also. And the main reason that had to happen is. One of the biggest problems in college football is you may have a guy who's not playing well, but if the guy behind him is worse, you're in a bad place. And I think Auburn's been in that place from an offensive line perspective for a while now. There have been guys that just hadn't been playing good football, but nobody's taking them out because there's nobody else to put in. And there should not be a world where you continue to get guys from much lower levels of football that can come in and start at one position. And that's been the case for the Auburn offensive line for years. And he went out and got Jake Thornton, who I think is going to be a big help and a big addition to that group because Jake's a really good offensive line coach. I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't get rid of him, but he, he will do a really good job for Hugh Freeze. When we look at Auburn's schedule this year outside of the two big rivalries against Alabama and Georgia, what is the most important game in your mind, whether it's to see progress in year one or to set the tone for year one? I've kind, of, I've, I've kind of said, I said it on my podcast um, at Cube Show 61 on YouTube, by the way, if you want to go subscribe to that. Uh, I think that A&M game is massive. And honestly, I don't even really think it's just winning or losing. It's what you guys just talked about with the offensive line. Like, that's one of the more active, talented defensive lines in the country. So, I just want to see how they hold up against that group. I want to see in College Station if that group can just be formidable. And if they look pretty good or they don't get dominated, then I think we can begin to shift our expectation for what Auburn, that offense, and that offensive line will be the rest of the way. Now, that the defense will get tested, too, because Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad can play. Uh, Connor Wigman's going to be a good quarterback. And, by the way, their offensive line might be pretty good. Like, Layden Robinson started a bunch of games. Ruben Fatherly started a bunch of games. Bryce Foster started a bunch of games. So, they'll be tested in a lot of areas, but the big one, is that Auburn offensive line against one of the more talented defensive lines in college football? Let's see how you hold up there early. And if it looks pretty good, and let's say they, they drop the game 24-21, 24-17, and it's like, but, hey, the offensive line was good. Like, they ran the ball. It's just 
couple turnovers or Amon made big plays, whatever. Now I think you can sit there and say, holy hell, they can build on that, man. Like, it, the, things could look pretty good here in a couple weeks. You were at the Auburn-Texas A&M game last year. We saw you interviewing Cadillac coming out of the tunnel. Uh, the stadium was electric. Have you ever seen the stadium like that? It, it, it just it's had moments for sure but it just felt different for that entire game for me it felt different for a lot of reasons mainly because we had was a two three win football teams coming into that game and and like I remember the, one of the cooler parts about it is um, you know we stayed close to campus and Tom and Jordan were like hey you know let's leave at 415 I was like no I'm gonna walk because I just wanted to see it and I couldn't tell you the last time I walked through campus on a game day because we usually stay far away and we didn't stay far away this time and I was like I'm hearing about people coming. I'm hearing about the energy. I just want to see it. I want to feel it. And that was really cool, just to see how many people were out that early in the day. And then when I got in, I went in early, and, and Damon, who's coaching at A&M, he does his, like, lap around the field, and he walks up to me, and the student section was basically full. Now, this is, you know, two and a half hours before kick. And he's like, damn, Cube, the student section's full? I was like, DC, it's, they're going to be, be packed tonight. Like, it's it's going to be crazy. And I don't think he knew what to expect. And just then you kind of began to get the feeling. And, like, Tom and Jordan, I had a lot of conversations about, is this real? Uh, John Cohen and I were standing on the sideline. He's like, can you believe this is happening? And I was just like, when it's there, when it's Auburn being Auburn, it's pretty damn special. And have I felt it that way? Maybe not because I'm not sure what I expected. Like, I've been in some Iron Bowls that have been pretty amazing, but we expected it to be that. Um, you know, I've been, on, I've been in a couple of Tiger Walks for some big games where, like, that 97 Alabama Tiger Walk was pretty pretty incredible. I mean, we, we could clinch the West that day. Like, that was, that was awesome. Um, but that one was special for different reasons. Like, I think that was – it needed to be special more than some of those other games, if that makes sense. It needed to find a new life to help re-energize a lot of different things. And it did that. And those players and those coaches, specifically Carnell, they were a big part of why that happened. Talking to Cole Kubelik today on Sports Call. Last one for you, Cole, and then we'll let you go. With the eight-game versus nine-game debate in the SEC schedule-wise, going to go with eight games again in 2024, eliminate the divisions, and then figure it out from there. As someone that played at Auburn, how important is it for Auburn? Because we've gotten mixed uh, mixed reviews on this for various people we've talked about. Some people don't really care to keep it. Some people uh, really want it to stay. That Auburn and Georgia game, that one would be the one that could be in some peril long term. Obviously, you'd still play it every other year with yeah. most models. But how important is it to keep that game alongside the Iron Bowl? We know we'll keep the Iron Bowl, but just what about that Auburn-Georgia game? I think it's important. I think it's critical. But you know, I think we should probably be prepared not to have it every year. Um, I think you go to nine for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I, I don't think you rush to nine, though, because I think nine is Greg Sankey's trump card. I think that's his, that's his last play. And, you know, that's his, like, that's his last few chips on the table to, to sort of have that last chance to, you know, really strengthen your bankroll. Um, the inventory of the league skyrockets when he makes that decision. So to do that and not have extra financial gain from that would be irresponsible. But I think rivalries make college football. And I think when we talk about rivalries, we get a little bit consumed with Auburn, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Army, Navy, Ohio State, Penn State. To me, rivalries are Auburn, Mississippi State, Auburn, LSU, Auburn, Ole Miss, Auburn, Arkansas. Like, those are rivalry games. 
we don't we don't sell them. We don't talk about them. They don't have cute names or trophies. Some of them do, like A and M and. South Carolina have tried to make that something with the Governor's Cup or whatever the hell it is. Like, we, we try to make some of them more than they are. But, like, those those games have meaning because we've always had them. And you, can, you have reference points. I think rivalries have greater reference points than other games. So when we – when Auburn plays Arkansas, I remember double-duty Davenport catching, like, eight balls for 210 yards and three touchdowns. Like, I remember – Seemingly, a running back named Fred something going for 200 yards at 11 or 11:30 for like seven straight years. Like it just, who is Fred Tally? Like who is Fred? Where are these Freds coming from? Like those are the things that you remember, and you, and you always say, "Well, you know what? We'll get them next year," or they got to come to our place next year. You know, or Joe Lee Dunn's defense is just a terror, but you know, you get to play them again next year, and you get to try to get them back. That back and forth, the reference points of seeing what, you know, Patrick Peterson or Booger McFarland did or Rondell Mealy or Cecil Collins did, you can counter with what Carlos Stansby or Carnell Williams did. So I think getting away from that a little bit, and, and maybe it'll just be separated a little bit more and it'll still be as cool, and I just don't know that. But, like, I don't view Tennessee that way. There were some great Auburn-Tennessee games. Like, I, I, was, I was working for CSS doing the replay when, when Ronnie Brown, you know, pumped the dude's helmet off on the goal line. Like, I remember that, but – I remember getting beat a lot by Florida, but that doesn't mean the next time Auburn plays Florida that all of a sudden I'm going to remember Damon Duvall and the, you know, the last second field goal that went like 11 yards to the right and we won the game. Like It wasn't every year, so it lost a little bit of luster along the way. So for me, rivalries are more than just one or two games a year. They've been a lot more games than that. And then for other teams like Georgia, it's Georgia Tech. For Florida, it's Florida State. I just think it's having games on an annual basis means a lot because the memory that comes with it, the reference points that always stick with it, that's what gives it extra emotional meaning. And that, that's impactful. And I think we will lose a little bit of that. Cole, certainly appreciate the time today. I know you're a very busy uh, man with the Cube Show pod, the, the McElroy and Cubelix show, and all the SEC Network ESPN responsibilities. But, again, really appreciate the time. I look forward to watching it and catching up with you down the line. I appreciate you guys having me. Always good being on in Auburn. Absolutely. Cole Kubelik joining us today on Sports Call.